welcome each one to the house of the Lord this evening, and we're going to uh, turn in the Word of God to the Psalm 121. Uh, the Psalm 121, we welcome those uh, who are watching online as well, and trust uh, the Lord's uh, blessing as we meet uh, together. The Psalm 121, a familiar uh, psalm regarding the help of the Lord, and as we come to the end of this year, and the commencement of a new year, let us reflect upon what the psalmist says regarding the Lord and His care for His people. Psalm 121, a song of degrees, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from evil, from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, and even forevermore. And the Lord bless uh, the reading of His precious Word uh, this evening. We're going to commence our praise of the Lord by turning to the words of the hymn 384. Uh, the hymn 384, My Jesus, I love Thee, I know Thou art mine, for Thee all the pleasures of sin I resign. 384, we'll stand as we sing, please.
Amen. You may be seated. Let's unite together in prayer this evening, and let's seek the Lord and ask for His blessing uh, to be upon us. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee tonight that we can enter into Thy presence. We can come together singing Thy praises. We thank Thee for the words that we have sung together. My Jesus, I love Thee. I know Thou art mine. And tonight, O God, we do pray that these words would flow from our hearts truly, because we love Thee and we love our Savior. And tonight we pray that Thou would deal with us, convict us if our love is not what it ought to be. We pray this evening that as we come to the end of the year and to the start of another year, we would indeed examine ourselves and we would not only look to Thy goodness and Thy grace throughout this past year, but Father, we would look at ourselves. We would look at our service for Thee. We would look at our love for Thee. And we would look at our obedience to Thee. And we pray that Thy Spirit would indeed enable us to love Thee more, and to serve Thee more in the year that lies ahead. And Father, we do remember Thy flock here. We thank Thee for each one who has come this evening to be under the sound of Thy Word. We pray that Thou would speak to our hearts, Thou would instruct us, and Thou would challenge us. We do remember this flock here. We pray for Thy hand uh, to be upon it. We do remember uh, the interim moderator. We think of, Father, the interim elders, and remember the deacons uh, newly elected this year, and we pray that Thy hand would be upon each office bearer, that they would know uh, Thy help, Thy strength, Thy guidance, even in the year that lies ahead. Father, bless uh, this congregation, we pray. Uh, we ask Thee that Thou would uh, continue to uh, uphold it and strengthen it and establish it. And may uh, they know uh, the blessing of the Lord upon them. And our Father, we remember those outside of Christ, uh, those who attend here, and loved ones, and family members of those who come here who know not the Savior. And Lord, we lay uh, these needs before Thee, that Thou would be pleased to move and to save. We rejoice that salvation is of the Lord, and we pray that Thou would be pleased to move in such a way, to move in power and to save precious souls. Remember this uh, province. Remember this nation and the great need of Thy salvation. Lord, uh, revive us again that Thy people may rejoice in Thee. And Father, we look to Thee uh, for Thy blessing uh, to be upon us tonight. We pray Thou would forgive us for our sins, uh, for our iniquities. Uh, convict us of these things that we may walk that righteous path, bringing glory unto thy name. Father, meet our needs and do our hearts good. And may we rejoice in the presence of our Lord this night. And we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. We're going to turn again in our hymnals to hymn 554. 
554, take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name. 554, we'll stand again as we sing. going to turn in the Word of God this evening to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations found among the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. It may not be a book that is read a lot of the time, 
and certainly maybe one of the more difficult books many would find. Uh, but today and tomorrow we make New Year's resolutions, and so if you haven't read Lamentations for a while, uh, there's a New Year's resolution for you, and read it alongside a good commentary uh, like Matthew Henry, and it will open up uh, this book uh, to you. Lamentations chapter 3, and we'll commence reading at verse 1. The Word of God says, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a burr lying in wheat, and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways, and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow, and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people, and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance, and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Amen. We'll end our reading there, verse 26, and we trust the Lord will bless it tonight for His name's sake. Amen. Amen. We do extend a welcome again to each one uh, that is present this evening, and uh, those watching online, and we trust uh, that uh, you'll be welcome as well. Welcome those who, well, who are visiting. I'm visiting as well, so I guess I'm welcoming myself. Uh, but it is good to be with you here again in Calgary, and uh, we trust the Lord uh, will bless us this evening as uh, we meet uh, together around His Word. Do you remember the uh, prayer meeting? and the Bible study on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m., and I'll still be here and be responsible in the will of the Lord for that meeting. I was speaking to the Reverend Gallagher, and we're going to have 
uh, an online option for those who can't be here in person on Tuesday evening. If you can be in person, uh, then certainly be here. Uh, but if you can't, uh, then there will be a link for Zoom uh, going out. We use Zoom in Cloverdale. It started during COVID, and there were those from the island and different places and uh, those who couldn't always uh, come in to the church on a Wednesday evening who have used that, and it has worked well for us. And so we're going to try that on Tuesday evening, and we trust that uh, if you can't be there in person, you'll avail yourself of that option as we meet uh, together. Next Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m., uh, the uh, services will take place, and as the bulletin says, the deacons will lead the services, and there'll be messages, uh, sermons on the video. These uh, are all the announcements. There's a few other uh, things mentioned in the bulletin, but I assume everyone has a copy of that. And we're going to uh, turn in our hymnals to the hymn 217, the hymn 217. And we trust uh, that each one will have a happy and prosperous new year, uh, that the Lord uh, will be first in all things. Uh, my elder texted me this morning, and I didn't get looking at the message till later on, and he said to, you know, make sure uh, that you let the congregation here know that uh, we in Cloverdale are praying for them. And I said, I did say that, and I'll mention that again, that we are praying for you uh, in Cloverdale, that the Lord uh, would be with you, and that in due time and His will, uh, that you would know a man of His choosing uh, for uh, the ministry of the Word here. It's good to know uh, that as a Presbyterian church, we're interlinked and we're interconnected. We depend upon one another. We can uphold each other at the throne of grace in prayer. So do be assured uh, of our prayers and our support uh, for you. The hymn 217, uh, the, offering, uh, is, the offering plate is at the back. Uh, there's no offering lifted during this hymn. And so we'll stand to sing uh, 217, Break Thou the Bread of Life, Dear Lord, to me.
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to turn again in the Word of God to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. And we're going to read again from the verse 22. And if Lamentations 3 isn't a familiar passage to you, then the verses that we are reading uh, most certainly, I'm sure, are familiar. And the Word of God says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. Amen. And may the Lord bless in the reading tonight for His name's sake. Let us unite together in prayer, and let us ask for the Lord's blessing to be upon His Word. Our Father and our God, we thank Thee tonight for the Scriptures of truth. We thank Thee that we can turn to them. We can learn from them. And as we consider this passage tonight in the context of where we are even in this year, we pray, O God, that Thou would bless it to us, teach us, give us those vital lessons that our souls need. Father, we look upon this congregation, and while we see the outward appearance, Thou, O God, seeth the heart. And Father, we pray for those who need to experience Thy so great faithfulness in salvation and in redemption. Move in their hearts tonight, we pray. We think of Thy people. And while some may, as it were, be on the mountaintop, there can be others who are down in the valley of despair and discouraged. And tonight, O God, as we turn to Thy Word, we pray that there would be a word in season for all of us. We, we, we would be reminded tonight of Thee and who Thou art and of Thy power and of Thy goodness and Thy grace toward us. Father, prepare our hearts to receive Thy Word. Prepare our hearts through Thy Word this night to embrace this new year that is coming before us and glorify Thy name. We pray for the Savior's sake. Amen. Amen. The end of a year often makes us think about time, especially as we pass year after year after year. I remember sitting at a service in Northern Ireland and sitting beside one of my friends, and we started that service at 11 p.m. We sat uh, at 11.59, looking at our watches, bringing in the new year, but it wasn't just a new year. It was a new century, uh, for it was 1999 and 11.59 and so many seconds uh, before uh, the new century. And that was 23 years ago. It often feels like yesterday, and I blinked, and suddenly I'm 23 years in the future. One person wrote many years ago regarding time, 
If one lives to be 70 years of age and is the average person, he spends 20 years sleeping. Some may spend a little more than that, as some may spend a little less. 20 years working, 6 years eating, 7 years playing, 5 years getting dressed, 1 year on the telephone. They say about 2 and a half years smoking, and that's not to be recommended. Uh, two and a half years in bed, three years waiting for somebody. And so if you're waiting, uh, you're making someone wait for you, well, you're contributing to three years of their life spent waiting uh, for people to come and to get ready. Five months tying your shoes, two and a half years for other things. And they said one and a half years in church, maybe. And so when we think of that, uh, we spend years doing the same activities. And 70 years may seem like a lifetime for many, uh, but yet uh, we spend so much of that time uh, doing the important or the trivial things of life. We're reminded as well that the clock of life is wound but once, and no man has the power to say just when the hands will stop at late or early or. Now is the only time we own to do His precious will. Do not wait until tomorrow, for the clock may then be still. And as we reflect upon the past year, we look to the Lord to be with us in the new year, and we think of time and time spent with the Lord. We think of redeeming the time and using that time for a spiritual good. But tonight, as we think on time and as we think upon the old year and the new year, let us think this evening of thanksgiving unto the Lord for the year that will soon go out into eternity. We can experience hardship and sorrow, but yet can we not give thanks unto the Lord for His help and His provision in such difficult times as well as the good times? The Puritan Thomas Brooks said that thanksgiving is a self-denying grace. It is an uncrowning of ourselves and the creatures to set the crown upon our Creator it is the making ourselves a footstool that God may be lifted up upon His throne and ride in holy triumph over all. Tonight, as you come to the end of the year, and I don't intend to preach for the rest of the year, don't worry, but when we think of the end of the year, do we think about thanksgiving? Looking back, and though there were difficult times, though there were hardships, though there were good times, are we thankful to God for who He is and for His goodness and for His mercy and His grace? It is, our, is it our desire that as we thank God for the blessings of this year, we desire to take that crown away from ourselves, to place it upon His head and to rejoice in what He has done for us? And beloved congregation this evening, are you thankful today? Are you thankful for His blessings for His salvation? Is there something else that you are thankful for? And who is your thanks directed to? We ought to thank the Lord for all of His goodness toward us. The Puritan Richard Baxter said that an unthankful person is but a devourer of mercies and a grieve to bury them in, and one that hath not the wit and honesty to know and acknowledge the hand that giveth them. Let us not be unthankful tonight, but let us reflect upon this year, thinking of the Lord's goodness and His mercies toward us, 
And let us thank Him for all His benefits and for all His blessings. Can you be thankful to the Lord today for His so great salvation? Are you thankful because He has redeemed you and saved you from the power of sin? And when we think of what the Lord has done for us, our God, is He not a great God, worthy to be praised for all His wondrous works? And He is faithful to us. He is faithful to His people. And that brings us back to Lamentations 3, the faithfulness of Jeremiah's God is great. He says in verse 23, great is thy faithfulness. Jeremiah had a difficult and hard work to do for the Lord as the Lord's prophet in a sinful and wicked land. But what did he do? Despite the problems and the trials and the discouragements and the people raging against him, he rejoiced in the great faithfulness of his God. And beloved believer, we live in a wicked and corrupt and perverse nation, yet can we not rejoice? And at the end of this year, rejoice in the faithfulness of our God and remind ourselves as we enter into 2024 that our God and His faithfulness are great. Can we not rejoice as well in His grace that is sufficient? In Lamentations chapter 3, we have a context here as to what is said, or the context what is said regarding uh, the lead-up to what Jeremiah says. Lamentations is perhaps not one of the easiest or the simplest books to understand, but we see Jeremiah in this chapter as the suffering servant. And why did he suffer? We'd have to turn back to Jeremiah chapter 1, and in the verse... 17 through to 19, we read, Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land, and they shall fight against thee but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. And Jeremiah was called of the Lord to stand for him, to preach his word, to preach the truth in a nation that was sinful and wicked and against God. And they fought against him. And we need to understand that. The world in which we live, the world in which Jeremiah lived, had no time for the word of God Yet he is a faithful preacher of the Word, stood firm, and he suffered. He suffered. He is in the depths of despair. But yet there is a turning point in verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. And in the depths of despair and facing uh, the wrath of the people for preaching the Word of God, he remembers the Lord's blessings and the goodness of his God. A blessed reminder that takes his focus and his attention away from affliction and places that focus upon the God of heaven. And this is now the glorious high point, a place of rejoicing and comfort. And dear believer, tonight as we think upon Jeremiah, we may not all be called to stand and preach against the evils of the nation, but yet we stand for Christ 
in the midst of an evil nation. And we can face much discouragement and much hardship because of that. We can face difficulties in our own lives. And here is a great reminder in our afflictions to remind yourself, to remind ourselves of the mercy and faithfulness and the grace of God, and to remind ourselves that He alone is in control of all these things. And so, as he looks to the Lord, he is reminded of the glorious faithfulness of his God. And so, tonight, I want us to consider, very simply, taking our title from the text, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy Faithfulness. And when we think of the Lord, great is His faithfulness indeed. He is the omnipotent one, the one with infinite power. He is the one who is holy and pure, the one who is good. And we can, <coughs> we can think of His attributes this evening, and those attributes that remind us of His greatness, and those attributes from which flow His faithfulness toward us. But I want us to consider, first of all, God's faithfulness in unfailing compassions to those who should be consumed. God's faithfulness and unfailing compassions to those who should be consumed. We see that in verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. And immediately we see our main thought here, the Lord's mercies and the Lord's compassions. And despite how, thing, how bad things are, Jeremiah acknowledges that it is off the mercy of the Lord that things are not worse, that we are not consumed. Matthew Henry reminds us the streams of mercy are acknowledged. We are not consumed. And he makes a reference to the burning bush of Moses. He said, note, the church of God is like Moses' bush, burning yet not consumed. And we, in this day and age, don't really understand or have experienced what happened in the day of Moses, where Moses saw the bush, that it was burning, it was on fire, it was not a fake fire, it was not some sort of fire that the special effects crew in the movies had put together. It was something that was real. The bush was on fire, but yet it was not consumed. And Moses saw that and came to the side to look upon the bush, and God spoke to him through that bush. It was burning, yet not consumed. Someone mentioned to me this morning about the forest, the forest fires in B.C. earlier this year, and they burned across much of the province, and there was consumption. The trees were burned down. The land uh, was destroyed. But yet, the bush of Moses, like the church, burned but was not consumed. And that's why we as Presbyterians have the symbol of the burning bush. The church has burned, and the church has suffered, but yet it is not consumed. Satan desires to burn it and bring all sorts of hardship upon the church, and it is burning, but because of the faithfulness of our God, it is not consumed because His compassions feel not. And Matthew Henry said, whatever hardships it, is, it has met with or may meet with, it shall have a being in the world to the end of time. 
It is persecuted of men, but not forsaken of God. And therefore, though it is cast down, it is not destroyed, corrected, yet not consumed, refined in the furnace of silver, but not consumed as dross, as dross. How wonderful that is. And we can think of the Lord's love for us and the Lord's love for His church and for His people. As we saw this morning, we are here because of Christ. We are here because of His love for us. And we are here, we could say as well, because of the unfailing compassions of the Lord toward us. As we reflect upon this past year, can we not say about the love of God? Can we not say we've experienced His love and His grace and His compassions? All part of His faithfulness. But there's a thought here regarding the sin of mankind. We should be consumed because of the greatness and the vileness of our sin. And that is the reason why there is wrath, eternal wrath. God deals with those who disobey Him, those who follow after unrighteousness, those who live for and lust after sin. God is holy and just. Isaiah 6 tells us that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. But sinners will be consumed. They will face eternal judgment for their sin. And we are reminded of that through the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because time and time again, the Savior warned, warned that those who repented not would be consumed. In Matthew 13, verse 30, the Savior speaks of the wheat and the tares. And in the parable, He says, let both grow until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Into my barn. Those who are not of Christ, those who've never turned or repented are the tares spoken of here, and they will not be gathered into the barn. They'll be gathered together in bundles to be burnt, to be consumed. And we need to understand then that man should be consumed because of his sin. All of us, because of sin, should be consumed. The wages of sin is death, but yet the Lord is faithful and He is merciful to His people. We deserve judgment, but we are here because of His mercy, His faithfulness and unfailing compassions to those who should be consumed. If you've experienced the mercy and the compassion of God in salvation, that you can rest this evening knowing that your sins are forgiven. Matthew Poole, the Puritan commentator, said that mercy is nothing else but love flowing freely from any persons in misery, from any to persons in misery. He says, it is not because God hath not power enough utterly to have consumed us, nor because we had not guilt enough to have provoked His justice, to have put an end to our lives, as well as to the lives of many thousands of our countrymen, but it is merely from the Lord's free love and pity to us in our, mercy, in our miseries. How marvelous is His faithfulness toward us, His people. And that is something for us to reflect upon this time of year, dear believer. The Lord's mercies to you and salvation. The Lord's mercies and grace to you this year. Coming back to the hardships of Jeremiah, the Lord is in control of His hardships. 
And according to his sovereign will, he faced such hardships. And we must acknowledge the sovereignty of God as his people. Acts chapter 4 uh, reminds us of that, where the church prayed Psalm 2. 2 Corinthians 12 reminds us of Paul's suffering. But yet the Lord says to him, my grace is sufficient. It is enough. My grace is sufficient for thee. And this is an important point. As the church of Christ and as believers, we are not immune to the hardships of life. We are not immune to the hardships of life. You may remember that earlier this year, I slipped on ice. I came to church with crutches. And when I went to step on that ice, someone's step, I skipped around the ice, put the mail in the letterbox, came down, was avoiding this little mini mountain of ice, but I didn't realize that the ice had extended a little. There was snow on top of the ice, a thin layer of snow. And as I put my ankle on that ice, well, there was crack, crack, and I fell. But as I went to step in that ice, I didn't think, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm indestructible. I can walk on ice. Nothing is going to happen. I'm immune to this. But as you know, we're not immune. We're not immune. Going out into the parking lot tonight, you might take her because there's ice about. And it was agony. I remember standing here preaching in pain, sitting in the pew in pain, trying to move house and sort things out in pain. I was not immune to the hardships and to the difficulties that can come upon us in life. And we are not immune. And we know that, and all of us can testify to that. We are not immune from the hardships of life. But God gives grace. He gives grace. He brings trials into our lives for many reasons, often to teach us to rely solely upon Him, to focus upon Him, to trust Him more. And when we feel the trials are going to consume us, they will not, for the Lord is merciful and compassionate. And we find Jeremiah, he is suffering, and there is wrath upon him. But what does he do? He immerses himself in the doctrine of God, namely the goodness of the Lord. That is why it is good to consider theology, to study the attributes of God. It's not merely head knowledge that ministers need to know or theologians need to know, but there are truths that we all need to know. And the goodness of God being one of those great attributes. And Jeremiah immerses himself in the doctrine of God and the goodness of the Lord. And the Lord's goodness compasses His mercy, His grace, and His love toward us. It is undeserving. We do not deserve it, but yet the Lord is merciful toward us. The psalmist speaks of the Lord's mercies. Remember, O Lord, Thy tender mercies and Thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Make thy face to shine upon thy servants. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. Three different psalms there. And so, dear believer, let us not forget the wondrous mercy and compassions of our God. He's a God who loves His people. He's a God who loves you, dear believer, who sent His Son to deliver you from sin and these mercies and compassions. Notice what Jeremiah says, verse 23, they are new every morning. 
Think of that new every morning, never running out, new every morning. Let us be thankful to the Lord. Every morning do you thank the Lord for His tender mercies, for His goodness toward you? C.H. Spurgeon tells of the story, and he says there's a very touching little story told of a poor woman with two children who had not a bed for them to lie upon, and scarcely any clothes to cover them. In the depth of winter, they were nearly frozen. Now, this is a British winter. Uh, to you here in Alberta, it's really the summer Spurgeon is talking about, but to the British, it is winter. And he says they were nearly frozen. And the mother took the door off a cellar, took the door off a cellar off the hinges, and set it up before the corner where they crouched down to sleep. Some of the cold and the draft might be kept from them. And one of the children whispered to her, to her when she complained of how badly off they were. She said, Mother, what do those dear little children who have no cellar door to put up in front of them, what do they do if they don't have a cellar door? And even there, Spurgeon said, you can see the little heart found cause for thankfulness. And we, if we are driven to our worst extremity, will still honor God by thanking Him that His compassions feel not, but anew every morning. This again is not a very high step, but still it is a little in advance of the other, and the weakest may readily reach it. And when we think of that, we can think of the hardships we endure, but in those hardships is the Lord not merciful toward us? Is there not things that we can thank Him for that we are not consumed? And dear believer, in discouraging times, there's a text here that we can use to draw us to the Lord, to immerse ourselves in the reality of His mercy and His compassion and His faithfulness to us. May it lift you up. May it encourage you that His compassions feel not, that the Lord's arm is not shortened, that He cannot save. We see in Matthew 9, the multitude coming to the Savior. And the Savior had compassion upon them. And we think here in Lamentations 3 of the Lord's compassions. But before we close this thought, what about our compassion? It cannot be unfailing as the compassion of the Lord. But it is, a, is, it, is it a great and a deep compassion? Is it a compassion that seeks to imitate the compassion of the Lord? Do we look at the Lord's mercies toward us? And are ever thankful and desirous for them that we would show the same mercy and compassion to others. Think of this in the trials of life. The Lord has helped you through difficulties. But what if someone else going through the same trial? We shouldn't ignore them. We should encourage them. We should encourage them. What if those who've been saved by the Lord's grace, the Lord was merciful and compassionate to you in the depths of your sin, where is your compassion and your love for others who are still in their sin? Oh, may we learn from the Lord's compassions. But secondly, I want you to see God's faithfulness in unlimited sustenance for His people. God's faithfulness in unlimited sustenance for His people. In verse 24, we read, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, will I hope in Him? And the soul of Jeremiah speaks these wonderful words. 
Thomas Brooks the Puritan, while preaching on this text, titled his sermon, A Matchless Portion. A matchless portion. It cannot be matched by anything else. And tonight, dear believer, is the Lord your portion? Can your soul cry out over this past year through the difficulties and the trials? And even the good times, may they not take your focus off the need to constantly have your eyes upon the Lord. Can you say throughout all these times, and my desire is that next year it will be the same, that I can cry out, the Lord is my portion. He is the one who sustains me. He is sufficient for me. He is all that I need. Matthew Henry said that God is and ever will be the all-sufficient happiness of His people. And they have chosen Him and depend upon Him to be such. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, that is. When I have lost all I have in the world, liberty and livelihood and almost life itself, yet I have not lost my interest in the Lord. It's an interesting thought. We do not know what the year ahead holds for us. Many have gloomy thoughts over the year. Some had gloomy thoughts over this, this year. Some will have gloomy thoughts for next year. Whatever happens, will we rest secure knowing that the Lord is our portion? That though we lose everything or we don't, the Lord is still our portion and still our help. He's a portion that is present, a portion in our hands, a portion that we possess. He is our God forever and ever, our guide unto death. He is the one who protects us and helps us. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43, and there's encouragement here for us from the Word of God. And in verse 1, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel. And in all the trials, the Lord is with His people. Dear believer, encourage yourself with that. That He gives that sufficient sustenance. He helps and strengthens. He's with us. He gives a great portion. A great portion. A portion that meets our needs. A portion that is all sufficient. All sufficient. In Genesis 17, the Lord said to Abraham, I am the Almighty God the Almighty. Some would say that that can mean I am God all-sufficient, the self-sufficient God. And God is a God who is self-sufficient. He does not rely upon man. His power does not rely upon man. He is all-sufficient in Himself for us. When we think of earthly portions, They are insufficient portions. I had some food this afternoon. Might have had a chocolate or two or three or four. But rest assured that that's not going to keep me going all night. 
I'm going to need to eat later. And I'm going to need to have sustenance, to give strength, to give ability to go about the business of the day. And you know how that is. You get up and you have breakfast. And no matter how small your breakfast is or how big your breakfast might be, you're going to need lunch. You're going to need an evening meal. You're going to need to keep eating constantly at regular times, but constantly for the strength we need. But yet when we look to the Lord, His portion is an all-sufficient portion. It meets our needs. It meets our needs in the trial that we face. It meets our needs in the hardship. Yes, we should always be seeking the Lord for His portion and always be close to Him, but His portion is sufficient for us because it meets our needs. Earthly portions are insufficient. They can't stop our hunger constantly or forever. They cannot prevent affliction. They cannot support us in afflictions. They cannot deliver us from afflictions, but yet the Lord's portion. And this is what Jeremiah is rejoicing in. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. And that word hope is not just I hope. It's not a hope in the sense that I hope my hockey team will win the Stanley Cup. It's not going to happen, but I have a little hope. The hope Jeremiah is speaking about is not that hope. It's a certainty. I, my hope is placed in the Lord. It's placed in a secure person. It's placed in one who is all-sufficient. That's the hope he's talking about, a certainty. This portion is needful. It's necessary. And as the Lord renews His, His grace and compassions every morning, Jeremiah needs this portion. It's necessary. Dear believer, the Lord's portion is necessary for us. If you look at this year and the hardships and the trials and how the Lord has helped you, has it not been necessary? Have you not needed it? As we look to next year, seek Him, seek His presence, seek His help. We need that portion. We need that portion as a blessed portion. It's a portion that is peculiar to His people. It's a portion that is secure. A portion that is secure. No man can come and take that portion off you. It's the Lord's portion unto His people. Oh, that we would know that all-sufficient portion from His faithfulness. But then thirdly and finally, we see God's faithfulness to undistracted believers who wait upon Him. God's faithfulness to undistracted believers who wait upon Him. Notice what it says, verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. What does that speak of? speaks of a believer who is undistracted, one who is waiting for the Lord, one whose soul is seeking the Lord. We know how many distractions there are in this day and in this age. We could have an open floor and talk about all the distractions that we see in society and the distractions we see in families and the distractions we see in our own lives. <clears throat> Know how Satan seeks to <clears throat> distract us from where our thoughts and where our hearts ought to be. 
But the Lord is faithful to believers who are undistracted, those who see the importance of Him and the importance of His ways and the vital necessity of seeking Him. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, Isaiah says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And there is a need and a patience to wait upon the Lord. He moves and works according to His divine will and not ours. But waiting, waiting upon the Lord implies a closeness to Him. Closeness in prayer, a closeness in His Word. Not neglecting Him, not neglecting the means of grace, prayer and reading and the preaching and worship of the Lord. Not neglecting Him nor the means of His grace. And so the thought here is simple. His faithfulness is great to those who are not distracted by this world, by the activities or people of this world, but those who wait upon Him and have their eyes fixed upon Him. If we look at ourselves this year, are there times where we maybe didn't have our eyes fixed upon the Lord? The way that we ought to have had them fixed upon the Lord? Do we feel, sometimes, do we feel often in regard to that? We look to our own strength, we look to our own ideas, we look to our own thoughts before waiting upon the Lord. Dear believer, don't be distracted to your need of Christ day by day this incoming year. Look to Him. Wait upon Him. Seek Him. Seek Him. Unbeliever, don't be distracted by this world of your need for Christ. Seek Him. Matthew Henry said, It is good, it is our duty, and will be our unspeakable comfort and satisfaction to hope and quietly to wait for the salvation of the Lord, to hope that it will come. It is our good, it is a good duty. A good duty. And dear believer, as we close, let us not be distracted from the things of the Lord. We look at His faithfulness here, and we could delve into theology. We could delve into the attributes of God. We could look at who He is, and His power, and His goodness, and His truth. We could turn to Thomas Watson, a body of divinity, and read the great truths and the application that he has written about the attributes of God. And there's another New Year's resolution uh, to go and to read that. And it reminds us, if we were to read that more and more, of what Jeremiah is saying here, it would be the theology behind what he's saying. The Lord's mercies, the Lord's faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. We'd reinforce these great truths to our hearts. So, dear believer, let us be thankful to the Lord for His faithfulness. Let us look to the Lord next year for His faithfulness. Thomas Goodwin said, What thankfulness is? Question mark. It is a free rendering to God the glory of His goodness, principally to the end that we may glorify it and testify our love to Him. Let us be thankful to Him. Let us render Him the glory. For His faithfulness, for great is His faithfulness. May the Lord bless us, and may the Lord encourage us to be thankful for this year, to look at ourselves and whatever feelings we might have and seek His help and His grace, that next year that those feelings would not be found in us by His grace. Amen.
Let us pray and let us seek the Lord together. Our eternal God and Father in heaven, we thank Thee tonight for Thy Word. We thank Thee tonight for the faithfulness of our God. And we realize, Father, there's so much here that we could consider. And we pray that what we have looked at, that Thou would bless to our hearts, Thou would bless to our souls, that we would rejoice in Thy faithfulness, that, Father, we would look to next year to the faithfulness of our God, to look to Thee, to rest upon Thee, to desire Thy portion, but also that our faithfulness to Thee would be great, that we would not forsake Thee, but we would put Thee first in all things. Father, bless us. Bless our time reflecting upon this year and looking to next year. Bless our times with family and friends. And Father, go before us, we pray, and meet every need that we have. And may the love of God, our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship and communion of God, the Holy Spirit, rest, remain and abide with us, both now and forevermore. Amen.